Welcome to Living Visible. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of how people have faced their obstacles and invisible disabilities or differences. Hi, everyone. I am Addison Price, your host. I am Miss Oklahoma 2019, and I'm looking forward to bringing this podcast to you. On today's episode, we are talking with Kelly Masters, founder and president of KMM Sports and licensed sports agent. She has pioneered being in that field, and we have something in common. She is also a Miss Oklahoma. She was Miss Oklahoma 1997. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so, so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Addison. And I, I love meeting sisters, Miss Oklahoma sisters. I know, even in the most random ways. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Well, okay, so how did you land in the sports agent business? Tell me a little bit about your story with that. You know, most people immediately think of, when they hear I'm a sports agent, think of Jerry Maguire. And that movie actually came out my first year of law school. And I remember half my classmates immediately saying, oh, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And and that wasn't on my radar at all. So it's funny to look back now, you know, look back 20 years ago, and I had no idea this is where I would end up, um, even though I remember seeing that movie and, and kind of being intrigued by it. Um, but I grew up uh, in athletes, and I grew up around sports. I didn't ever realize that it would become a career path for me until much later. Um, but it was kind of a series of decisions where I was just pressing into wanting to, to be who I was meant to be. And in search of that, I ended up working with athletes and really using all of the experiences and the skills that I developed over um, kind of an interesting career to now bring me to this place. So I, I have a journalism degree. I worked in TV news before I went to law school. I was just a practicing attorney for five years, and it was actually working with on the law side with nonprofit organizations that I ended up working with my first athlete, and that's what led to a career in sports agency and, and forming KMM Sports, so it was very indirect. It wasn't that I saw Jerry Maguire and decided to be an agent. It took a long time and a long <laughs> process to get there. Well, it really took off. What were some of the first obstacles that you felt or that you faced? I know that this is not a highly woman-dominated career <laughs> field. So not what were the obstacles and the barriers that you kind of had to overcome? The initial barrier, honestly, was kind of close to home. I had, like I said, I started off just very normal law practice. And I felt like I was, yeah, I was doing well at it, but it just wasn't lighting a fire inside of me. I wasn't passionate about it. So I just continued to work until I knew that I would discover what I was passionate about. And when everything started to come together and I started realizing, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to work with athletes. Uh, I shared that kind of new revelation with a lot of my, uh, the lawyers that I worked with and, and trusted. And um, I had just, I was on the partnership track. I was about to become a partner in my firm um, as a litigator who also did nonprofit. And, um, but the feedback was, yeah, all of them basically trying to protect me. I think it wasn't that they were trying to discourage me. They just said, Kelly, that's a really tough industry. Are you, you know, are you sure about this? You're doing so well in your legal career. Why would you walk away from that? And I had a lot of people just really warning me and saying that is just, you know, that's going to be a really, really hard career. 
And I, I honestly think that that was not, people were trying to protect me, not necessarily be, you know, question my skills. Um, but they, they were kind of right. It's, it is a tough, tough business. It is, um, there's a lot of corruption. And so I just knew in my heart um, that I had to un- understand where they were coming from with their advice. But I also had to stick to my, you know, what I really felt like I had found and that was, you know, that I was really called to, to serve and to work with athletes. And uh, so I had to overcome at first just kind of the, that discouragement of people telling me, you know, this, maybe that's not the right path for you when I knew it was. So that was the first one. And then I really didn't think about the fact that I was going to be one of the only women doing what I do until I got to my first big NFL event. And that was the, the NFL Combine. Um, which I, I laugh, but it's true. It's kind of like the Miss America pageant for, <laughs> for NFL players. I mean, they have to walk on stage, you know, in their underwear and you know, get eyeballed and measured, and then they have to do talent, and they have to do interview. And so it's basically like a beauty contest for, for all of the NFL draft you know, players that are in the NFL draft. And so um, I walked into that environment and quickly discovered that it was 99.9% male. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to see this as I'm different. That's going to be a positive and it's going to make me stand out. And that was the attitude that I went in with. And, uh, and that was great until I was approached by really one of the agents that I looked up to the most that had been really successful. And he actually, I'd never met him before but he walked up to me and asked me what I was doing there and proceeded to lecture me on why women didn't belong in the business. Wow. <laughs> so that's, you know, some people face, I think, you know, unseen or maybe systemic um, discrimination or, or, you know, prejudgment. But for me, it was right in my face. It was, you know, someone that had been successful telling me, you're, you're not going to be able to do this successfully because of your gender. And so that was really the biggest obstacle mm-hmm. um, in the beginning. And it's, it, it, was, it continued to be a challenge, but it was actually one that I, I, I proudly took on. And I didn't honestly think about at the time that I was blazing a trail for other women, although that did end up happening. And I love that I could, could be part of that. Um, I just felt like I was fighting, you know, fighting to, to do what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. And uh, so it felt very personal to me. It felt like a personal battle um, that fortunately you know, opened the doors for a lot of other women. Um, but it also wasn't just a personal battle for me. It was, um, I, had, I had a vision when I first was going through the certification process that, that there were young men and maybe even little boys out there and their families that would need someone like me someday as an agent. And that's, those are the things that, when those obstacles came up and when I was being told, don't do this, I was able to think about, you know, the people and the young people that would need me someday. And that's what kept me going. Wow. I, well, I love that because I really, this whole podcast stems from talking about obstacles that you have and talking about ways that you can overcome those obstacles to achieve your dream. And so to hear that you had to keep pushing and kind of keep breaking down those barriers, despite people telling you that, you in a sense didn't fit in to what you wanted your dream to be is very encouraging and that's very motivating. And I feel like that's something that people so often forget to do. They forget to kind of have that fight and that grit in them. So that is 
just very motivational to hear. I follow you on social media, so I see you traveling all the time, but tell me a little bit about what a day in the life is like and kind of what what that looks like for a sports, for a sports agent. Of course. Well, and it, it really, it changes throughout the year. It's a very seasonal um, job. So every people ask, you know, when is your slow season? And I really don't, I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I did maybe for a couple of weeks in July, but um, it depends on the time of year. So right now we're in the middle of football season. Um, so a day in the life for me, I am, I'm up usually really early, although I, I wish I was more of a morning person. <laughs> um, but I'm up early um, talking to teams, talking to players. I have um, eight players that are currently active in the NFL right now. I have two more uh, that are currently free agents who are actively um, looking for new teams. And so I'm working for them. And um, so I have you know, basically 10 players that I'm, I'm working with and, and doing work on behalf of. So I'm dealing with their, their general managers, their coaches. I'm um, dealing with a lot of their off the field um, endeavors also. I'm setting up media appearances or dealing with inquiries. Uh, I'm working on their branding and marketing. Um, so a lot of things going on. And I have a couple of them that are kind of nursing injuries. So I'm talking to doctors and getting medical records and um, pretty much anything that, that is going on in their lives, whether it's professional on the field or off the field or sometimes even just personal lives. I have um, one player that just signed with the Chargers. Um, and right now we're in the process of getting his life moved from Dallas, where he's from, to LA, there's a lot of logistics and management and even personal development um, type things that I'm constantly doing for my players. So really anything, anything in their life, any issue that comes up in their lives, I'm going to be their go-to person. So I'm doing that. And then I'm also recruiting for the next draft, uh, the next two drafts, actually. So I'm going to college games every weekend. I'm going and sitting in living rooms and talking to parents. Uh, I'm researching, I'm preparing presentations, I'm putting together pitch decks, <laughs> I'm um, doing a lot of uh, filling the pipeline, so to speak. The, the, a lot of people don't realize this, but NFL careers are very short. And so even if I have a player that I represent in the NFL, his career may be over in two or three years. And so I'm constantly having to recruit new players for the draft and also manage players that are in the league, but are looking towards the future of not being in the league and what their life is going to look like after that. So um, that's just kind of a slice of what I'm doing during the day. It's a very, very full-time job, um, but I love it. I absolutely love what I do. And even the bad days, that sounds kind of weird, but even the days when things are falling apart, I enjoy being the person stepping in going, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get through this together. And I love being able to step in even when, you know, when things aren't going right, knowing that I can, I can be there for them and I can help them fix things or move forward. So I just love it. It sounds like even outside of being there for them professionally, it's almost like you're their mom that takes them in and kind of makes sure that they are where they need to be. I mean, as far as talking about moving somebody, the whole thing. I mean, I want to know, really, what do you do on on the the moments that you have that are downtime? What, what does that look like for you? What is kind of the recharge? Because it yeah. sounds to me like you might not get a whole lot of that. 
Not a lot. And it's, I, it's really funny. And I, I keep going back to this, but I feel like even my, my pageant experience and my competing in Miss Oklahoma while I was finishing law school prepared me for my life now because there wasn't a lot of downtime back then either. And time management is something that's so critical to all of us. And I, I think the thing that, um, that I have to, that I had to realize is, yes, I'm very busy, but if I'm not taking time to take care of myself and to fill up my cup um, and to even take care of my health <laughs> mentally and physically, right. I'm not going to be any good for the players and the lives that are counting on me. And so, yeah, so I, I run, that's my kind of, I call that my, um, you know, my, exercise slash therapy because um, it really getting out and I, I run outside just because I love clearing my head and I, I love just kind of getting away from everything and disconnecting. So that's my favorite thing to do in downtime is, is definitely running um, or working out. And um, the other things I love cooking. I've discovered that. Um, and yeah, I like, I like reading and I like movies, but the things that I, if I had to, just pick something to do with my downtime. It's usually running or cooking. So right. it's probably good that I run because I do love to cook and eat. So there you go. So, so it all comes back together. It's a full all balances out. Yeah, that's exactly where I am too. I feel like, so this podcast, it is so much of sharing your story and how you can make your invisible disability in a sense for that one thing that holds you back visible to people and kind of talking about those struggles. And for me, it was being diagnosed with dyslexia and now accepting that and using that almost to my advantage in a way of knowing the skills that it also has taught me and that it has brought me throughout my life. Yeah. So I want to know, you talked a little bit about just in your career, having the people who maybe doubted you and kind of looked at you as this isn't a, a female dominated career, but you still kept pushing what outside of that, what was, or what would you consider your invisible disability or your invisible difference that maybe held you back, but you had to break through to overcome and be where you are today? Most people would not believe me when I say this, but I, I am by nature, incredibly shy. Um, very, very, my natural state is very introverted, which people now look at me and go, but you were Miss Oklahoma and you were right. a con twirler in front of, you know, thousands of people every Saturday. And, and you're, you know, you were a trial lawyer and now you're a sports agent. What do you mean you're introverted? <laughs> what do you mean you're shy? Um, but I really had to overcome that. And even people telling me, well, you're, you're so sweet and you're so nice. How can you possibly be you know, the, the fireball that you need to be to go be an agent um, or to fight on behalf of people and advocate on behalf of people. And so part of that, I think, was um, learning uh, the lesson. I call it fighting in your own armor. And for me, it was, okay, I naturally am introverted, but I also have learned so much by pushing through that um, and, and getting outside of my comfort zone. Um, but also being, I think it's made me very empathetic to people. I tend to be very sensitive to people. I tend to be a much better listener and, and uh, a lot more maybe even responsive um, to people just because that's my nature. It's never been, I've never been about myself or, you know, big ego. And that really sets me apart from um, most people who become sports agents who are very extroverted and have big egos. And so I realized that my 
even though people may think that I don't have the right personality for what I do, I know it's what's made me different and it's made me special and it's made me good at what I do. And I think my clients appreciate how I am, that it's never about me. I'm always looking for ways to kind of stay behind the scenes and, and support them and encourage them and provide the things that they need to be successful. And so, you know, while it looked like it, maybe I wasn't, you know, didn't have what it took to do what I do, it really has worked out really well. And the difference has actually made me better. So going back to what I mean by fighting in my own armor, and this is just a story that was told to me years and years ago that just stuck with me. And it's the story kind of behind the scenes of the David and Goliath story, which everybody knows David and Goliath, you know, underdog takes down the big giant. But what happens just before the fight is David is taken aside by the king, um, King Saul, and basically he's told, you're too young, you're not trained as a warrior, um, you don't have what it takes. And the king gives David his own armor to wear, the king's armor. And David walks around in it, and it's heavy, and it's awkward, and it just doesn't feel right. And so he gives the armor back to the king. And of course, as everybody knows, goes out with his slingshot and takes down the giant. And the reason that story resonates with me so much is that how many times have other people looked at me and said, you don't have what it takes. Um, you don't have the personality. You don't have the skills, whatever. Um, or how many times have I even said that to myself in some certain circumstances where I'm comparing myself and going, well, I don't have the skills or the training or, you know, that I, I just, I'm not like that person. How could I ever be successful? Um, but I've realized that very much every one of us is designed and equipped with exactly what we need to fulfill whatever we're called to do. And so that's why I constantly go back to that fight in your own armor, whatever your personality is, whatever your skills are, you were meant to have those to accomplish what you were put on this earth to accomplish. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. I love that. I lo I'm going to take that fighting in your own armor with me through a lot of things, I feel like, because that yeah. that res resonates in, in a deeper level. And I think that it is about knowing what makes you, you in the most beautiful way yes. and how can the things that make you different. I always say, whenever I speak to students, different isn't bad, it's just different. And so knowing the things that do make you different, but using them in to your advantage and in the best way possible. And that's what makes the biggest difference. Absolutely. Really quick, as we wrap up, I want to know what are three tips or three tricks maybe that you can share with people that you feel like has helped you step out of what has held you back and what really has gotten you to the place that you're at today. But what are the three key things that you feel like people can do to help them achieve their next goal or their, their dream? Wow. Um, the first thing is being really clear about your purpose um, and knowing that purpose, purpose is your, is not what you do. It's why you do it. And so whenever you're struggling with any issue, whether it's something at work or something that you feel like just isn't going like you want it to, or maybe you're discouraged about something, go back to why are you doing this? Why, um, what is your underlying purpose for being on this earth? And I think that looks different from for everybody and getting to that point looks different for everybody. But for me, it's really getting quiet and shutting out the outside voices and the distractions and really like looking and we're digging deep and going, okay, I know I'm meant to be here. I know I have a purpose. 
I may not know exactly what that looks like right now, but I know I have one. I know I have a purpose and just really focusing in um, on fulfilling, discovering and fulfilling your purpose and taking your time with really that process of discovering and fulfilling it. So that's number one, staying really focused on purpose. Um, the second thing is let go of perfection. Um, I, if most people who are driven, who are who want to achieve things in life, which I think all of us have have some part of us that want to be successful at what we do, or at least you know, val valued, I guess. Um, but we can get really caught up in. You know, we can really beat ourselves up um, when we when we're not perfect or when we make a mistake or when we um, fall flat on our faces and we can spend so much time beating ourselves up when really we were just supposed to learn something. Um, and we learned maybe what not to do, or maybe learned we need to go a different direction on something, or maybe we just, maybe it was just a lesson um, or something that we were going through that may have been painful, but was meant to make us stronger. And so I think that's the second thing is letting go of just having to be perfect <laughs> in everything. Um, and then, gosh, what's the third thing? Um, I think, and this maybe is related to what I've already said, but not being so caught up in the opinions of others. Um, I was such a people pleaser growing up. And I think a lot of us tend to be like that. We want people to accept us or like us or think we're, think we're great. Um, and, and even, and it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to, you know, make your parents proud or make your friends proud. Um, but we can get to a point where we're performing all the time and too caught up in people's opinions when really they don't matter. <laughs> what matters is going back to, again, are we focused on our purpose and are we growing? Um, so I think those are the three things that have helped me the most. Mm -hmm. Well, that's incredible. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today and being a guest on my podcast. I really appreciate it. I am so inspired by your story and the way that you've pioneered a path for so many women and the compassion that you show to everybody that you interact with and the things that you've done and just the, the person that you are and the way that you try and live your life every single day. It really is inspiring to me. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much, Addison. And I just wish you all the best in your year. Thank you. updated on the latest episodes of Living Visible by following Addie on Instagram at Addison J. Price and on Twitter at Price underscore Addison. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. It's a small act that goes a long way in supporting this podcast. <laughs>